This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. A baby's skin is a marvelous wonder, providing protection, nutrients, and more to their growing bodies while feeling gentle to the touch. But whether through outside influences or from factors that can't be controlled, it's nearly inevitable that infants will experience some sort of skin irritation. Today we'll talk about some of the most common skin irritations for babies. I'm Dr. Ahmad Bailuni, and this is Parent Savers, episode 86. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for parents of newborns, infants, and toddlers. I'm your host, John O'Reill. Thanks again to all of our loyal listeners who join us week in and week out, and thanks also to those of you who are listening for the first time. As you may know, you can join our Parent Savers Club and receive access to special bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts from time to time. And if you haven't already, please make sure to download the free Parent Savers app available in the Android and iTunes marketplace so you can automatically have access to the great parenting advice and conversation we have on Parent Savers every week. Let's start this week's conversation by meeting everyone who is joining us in studio. I'll introduce myself first. As you know, I'm John O'Reilly. I have three boys, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And we're joined. We've got a pretty full house in studio today. My name is Annie Laird. I'm 35. I'm a, a teacher, and I have three children, uh, all girls, so uh, eight-year-old, a year-and-a-half-old, and then a one-month-old, so uh, we're busy. Sort of the yin <laughs> to the yang here yes, with the girls exactly. and the boys. <laughs> My name is Rachel Robinson. I am 25. I currently work as a birth doula. I have one little boy. He is about two-and-a-half now. And I'm Erin Estevez, otherwise known as OG Mamacita. Uh, no need to divulge my age, but uh, yeah, geriatric mom. Definitely. You could just listen to a previous <laughs> episode and she discloses it. There you go. <laughs> I just couldn't remember at the moment. That's, that's all. Um, so I have one son, two years old, named Cash. Great. All right. Thanks for joining us. Happy New Year, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. All right, before we jump into today's topic, we're going to look at an app that uh, is good for families, or maybe it's not. That's what we're here to talk about. The app we're looking at today is called Family Chat from Tagalong K, and it's available for iPhone. Uh, you need to have iOS 7, I believe. No, actually, it works for yeah, iPhone 5 and later, iOS 7. It's called Family Chat. It's $1.99. And what it is is... It's really just conversation starters. It's actually a really, really simple app as far as the functionality of it goes. Um, 
on the screen, it pops up a question that might get you guys talking. Um, or you can favorite questions so that you can go back to them maybe in different groups. Um, as I pull up the app right now, it's just the question is, is there ever a time when you shouldn't be completely honest? So it's those types of questions that we could really spark a conversation around the table. Have you guys had a chance to look at it? Yeah, I went through it. Um, there are a lot of questions, um, just really simple stuff, but I think that could spark some kind of conversation. Um, it definitely is a really simple app to use, and I think it's actually a really good idea for families to come up with some things to talk about around the table. Yeah, it felt it felt like, oh, where's where do, where do I take notes about it? But that's not the point. The point right. isn't that you ask a question and write down everyone's answers. It's that you're talking, actually, instead of just looking at the phone. Well, and since everybody already is, has their phone out in front of them and is staring down <laughs> right. at <them> anyways <laughs> during dinner, you can at least then, you know, have your phone in front of you and talk to your family members like you actually like each other. Right. So, yeah. It's, it's, right. Better, that's than, always it's better than playing Candy Crush. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Right. I, I like the fact that you can favorite certain questions as well, because some of them are um, like, what is your idea of a fantastic ice cream sundae? I would like to know about that all the time. I love ice cream. <laughs> My kids love ice cream. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like you said, John, it's really easy to use. And I like that. Yeah. I'm just wondering about if you're already in an awkward situation, does pulling out your phone and, you know, going to an app, does it kind of, like, increase the awkwardness? Well, I mean, so, I mean, it is called family chat. Right. So, I mean, I guess that's implying that your family's kind of awkward, Aaron, I guess. So. <laughs> Already awkward. <laughs> so. I'm just thinking about when I was a teenager, had my well, dad pulled something out like that, the eyes would have rolled so dude, far back in my he head. He could have done anything and your eyes would have rolled. That's true. And that's my point. Exactly. <laughs> so, <teenager>. Right. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I'm just being a devil's advocate here. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's cool. I mean, I think that there's, like I said, it feels... On the surface, as someone who uses a lot of apps, where that it doesn't do more, but that's kind of the point. It's an app that can also be really useful for people who are kind of afraid, I think, of too dependence on phone or too much apps. Because really, it's about real-world interaction, right. not interaction with the phone. The phone is the facilitator. Yeah, well, and I liked what Annie said about how everybody already has their phone out anyways. So really, it's kind of the norm now to have your phone out and be able to look at things like this. So I don't know how awkward it would be. Pretty much any interaction I have with Aaron's awkward. Though. <laughs> <laughs> true, right. true. So it's a dollar ninety nine. What do you guys say? Thumbs up or thumbs down? I say thumbs up. I say thumbs up, definitely. Thumbs up as well. Yeah, I'm in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> awkward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. Yeah, definitely check it out. We've got a link to it on this episode page. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's topic is baby skin conditions, uh, talking about common skin irritations. And today we're talking with Dr. Ahmad Bailuni. That's great. That right? I always thought it was Bailuni, but it's Bailuni. It's okay. People call me Baloney growing up. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you can imagine what happened with a name like Johnner as well. Right. Um, we're going to talk about these skin conditions. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So what are the skin ailments we're going to be talking about today? So today we're just going to narrow it down to six, but in reality, there's a ton. Um, <laughs> right. The six we'll be talking about today are empatigo prickly heat, which is more commonly known as heat rash, eczema, seborrhea, which is more commonly known as cradle cap, 
contact dermatitis, and then also diaper rashes. And we could probably spend like a whole episode talking about each of these. In fact, we did with with, with you um, last year um, looking at eczema. Um, but I, I think that the idea on this one is the babies their skin is very sensitive and stuff's going to happen to them. And so this is a look at some of the most common things and maybe stuff's happening to, to their kids and these are some things to look for. Baby skin is very sensitive. Really, when you think about it, your skin is your largest organ. I think people kind of forget this and it's immature and babies kind of like everything else. And so, you know, even on myself, when I think rashes always freak people out. If I wake up one morning and I see something on my arm, I start Googling and then I right. scare, <laughs> scare myself. Yeah, which is strange for a doctor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can imagine when it's on your baby, I'm sure it's a very scary event for a parent. Totally. And I remember with, I mean, pretty much all of my kids when they're born, just marveling at the fact that, you know, 12 hours ago, that skin was just in the nice, fluid calm maybe it wasn't calm 12 hours ago i guess right. <laughs> things are pretty crazy 12 hours ago but now it's being subjected to everything in the environment for the first time right yeah and 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 i think you know at the end of the day it's very it's going to be a very difficult to talk about skin rashes because you can't actually see them um but i think it's an important topic because it's probably i probably talk to parents about their baby and their skin at least i would say 10 times a day which yeah yeah, yeah. And so parents come in and are just like, what is this? Oh, yeah. That's, all, that's the most common thing. <laughs> rash. That's all it says on the chief complaint. Got it. Right. Yeah. And so rashes could be a ton of different things. Rashes can literally be a ton of different <laughs> things. <laughs> well, so the first one um, was epitigo. So what is that? I actually have no idea what epitigo is, but I've heard it. So it's interesting that we're starting with empatigo. It's not actually as common in babies. We actually see it more in preschool and, okay. and, and kindergarten children, but you can see it in babies. And basically what it is, it's a superficial skin infection. So we're not talking about something like, you know, like an abscess or a boil that's thick and gross. It's like a very superficial, crusty looking skin infection. Um, and when it comes to empatigo, there's actually two kinds. There's a blistery kind. That one always freaks people out because that one looks like a giant balloon on your skin okay okay and then there's a crusty kind where if you can imagine almost like a bug bite that split open and is kind of crusty and weepy yeah looks like that not as scary to the parents usually but they do come in and say i don't know what's going on with my child's what color is the crust it's usually like a golden crusted over color okay is it a fungal type of uh type of infection it's bacterial okay the most common bacteria we usually see are both Staph, which is the big one you hear about in the news all the time, and then mm-hmm. also strep, which is the same bacteria that gives you strep throat, for example. And it just it irritates your throat, but your skin, it's irritating. But Basically, with empatigo, what you're looking at is there's some sort of break in the skin or not necessarily a break, but maybe the skin was just not necessarily hygienic, kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a nidus for an infection. There's some sort of original source. Yeah. So one of the big things you could do as a parent to kind of avoid empatigo in general is to always keep your kid's skin as clean as you can, which is right. easier right. said than done. <laughs> exactly. As you can is the key yeah. part of that phrase. Yeah. Is it something that's very contagious? It is very contagious. So if you, and usually where you'll see it, in general, you can see it all over. You can see it on the hands, but in general, we usually see it on the face, like on the cheeks or very close to the lips. So if you ever see circular honey crusted looking things, which is the more common form, then you should probably go and get 
talk to your pediatrician, get it checked out. And so it's contagious from not only easy to spread, like if they scratch it, mm-hmm. that'll help spread it on their skin, but to other to people. other people. Yeah. And that's kind of the scourge it, of staff in general. Staff okay. infections. I'm sure you you know in the news they always scare about like, do you know about staff infection? Right. Yeah, MRSA and MRSA. So. It's contagious. It, it, we usually kind of look at other when, when a, for example, when a kid comes to me and I see Empatigo, I kind of look at everyone else in the room and see if I can see anything on there. Really? Screen. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's fun. Yeah, there was an outbreak. <laughs> at, <laughs> that's always fun. There was, a, there was an outbreak at my uh, toddler's daycare center, uh, and so they had that all posted. And so, of course, I had no idea what it was and looked it up online, and you know, then saw you know it's not a serious thing. It's just something that you know you, your kid gets sent home, and it's a pain in the butt to have to leave work and take right. him to the pediatrician. It's usually not a serious thing. Having said that, if it you know there are more rare cases where it can be MRSA, mm-hmm. so right. I think that's, that's serious. always yeah. yeah. It's, it's just a more serious infection. So I think it's always good. Never take things lightly when it comes to skin infections. Always see your pediatrician, get those cleared up, because the faster you get them cleared up, the less chance of them becoming contagious and spreading. Very true. What's what's the treatment for this? And let me, I guess, just say, is this going to be a similar treatment for all of these, or are we going to see kind of different treatments for each one? We're thankfully going to see different treatments. Right. Otherwise, this would be boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but the treatment for empatigo depends on how bad it is. So if, if, for example, a kid comes in and he just has one little lesion on his cheek, then usually you just prescribe a topical antibiotic, put it on a couple of times a day, and that should kind of okay. localize it. If it's a kid where he comes in and his face is, you know, pretty widespread and it's passed on to his little brother, for example, I don't know why I picked the boy, but it's usually (laughs) dirtier. And uh, then usually we use oral antibiotics. Okay. And then they have to, with the cream, do they have to keep putting it on or once it clears up? Once it clears up, you usually do it for about a week. Okay. Nice. And is everything clear in the, in Annie, in your household on the impetigo front? Yes, right now. Right. <laughs> For the moment. For the moment, yeah. The, I'm sure there'll be something when I go home here tonight. Some, sa- other, some other skin condition. She <laughs> says this as she's looking at her cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Checking kid. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't shake hands or anything, did we? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like a current story. I thought that was in the past. <laughs> All right, prickly heat um, is the next one. What is that all about? Prickly heat. I don't know why it's called prickly heat, but what it's usually referred to in the more common world as heat rash. Okay. okay? This is actually very common in babies. Um, you know, people get little babies, and, and generally when you get a baby for the first time, especially you're, like, freaked out. You're like, how do I not hurt this thing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so people tend to really bundle up their babies, you know, even when it's summertime. You just don't want your baby to get cold. That's kind of what causes it. It's over bundling. It's usually the kid who comes in and, and it, it looks kind of like little pimples. So, okay. And it's usually in covered areas. So, for example, under the kid's onesie, the parents have wrapped them up all day. They go to change the diaper. They lift up the, the butt, unbutton the onesie. And then what is this? Right. And there's a bunch of pimples everywhere. That's heat rash. Got it. Can it be caused by, like, the baby sweating too much from being wrapped up? Or yeah. is it more of a dry infection? No, it's it, well. Heat rash isn't generally even an infection. It's True. just because a baby's sweat glands are actually immature, and so they just don't really handle the heat as well. So while it's true that you want to keep your baby warm, you don't want you know your kid like a frappuccino. But <laughs> at the same time, you don't you you don't want to over over bundle because that will cause a heat rash. And in general, really, a heat rash is not a serious thing. Even when it does happen, a lot of times, p- what parents will tell me, for example, is 
I noticed this rash. There used to be a bunch of dots, and now by the time they've gotten to the doctor, right, because everything's fine. Yeah, everything is fine. So generally, it's not serious. If it does persist, then that's obviously something to see the pediatrician about. But so does that that happens in adults too? Then heat rash does happen in adults. Um, it's kind of the same deal. It, it usually happens more in the summertime or in San Diego all year round. <laughs> um, Got it. No, it's great. My wife's um, grandma, she has this tendency whenever the um, the baby's around. If she's cold, then the baby must be cold. And if she's warm, then the baby must be warm. So now if she ever wants to throw a blanket, I can say, hey, we don't want to give him a heat rash. Don't want to give him the prickly and, heat. And, you know, <laughs> babies tend to be very jittery and things, when you, especially when you unbundle them. People always think that that's cold. And you kind of got to remind people, babies' nervous systems are new. So whenever they move, it just seems a little more jittery than usual. It doesn't necessarily yeah. mean they're shivering. Right. 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 They're just trying to figure out that their arm is attached to them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which they don't know exists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so the treatment is really just... The treatment is, uh, if you see it... So basically, if there's ever a time where you unbutton your little onesie and you see a bunch of pimple-looking things on your baby's skin, the treatment is to just dress them a little bit less warm yeah. not not dress them at all and yeah then, like let uh, it breathe yeah, right? yeah let it breathe and then sometimes even like a cooler bath will help um that's nice. really it and it'll just take care of itself and so and these and the bumps don't do they have like little white heads on it or they really? can they can be either kind of little red or they can be little white heads okay. that sometimes will even break open a little bit got it but it goes away it's see my annoying. wife's a popper so what would happen if she tried to pop it? <laughs> do not pop Sorry, anything no. on baby skin <laughs> <laughs> just don't just generally don't you, i don't if think you do she that did. to your own skin um I can't. you know her like her, her and like her um one of her friends their instinct is just to, they love popping things i do that too yeah my eyes are just like squinting <laughs> right Aaron's like, like no. oh. but you guys are like yeah I know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah so don't poppers out there and we know you're out there don't pop things on the baby's skin <laughs> all right and so all right let's um let's close out this segment um before we take a break with eczema and um, like i said we did a whole episode on this before but just you know from a high level we'll talk about eczema uh sorry just really quickly wanted to jump in with a question from facebook regarding eczema oh perfect um well actually you'll have to tell me she's so, the question comes from magdalena lafayette lafay and she wants to know that if the baby has red skin under the eyebrows is that eczema it's a little bit difficult to answer without actually seeing the baby, but definitely eczema in babies does present differently than in adults. Okay. So in adults and in older kids, you're going to see eczema wherever there's skin folds, your elbows, your knees, your neck, your groin. Um, in babies, you will see eczema on the cheeks of the face. So that rash could be eczema. I'm not going to say it is. Um because I can't see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Does he have very foldy eyelids? I know. <laughs> but we can see eczema. Um, so basically what eczema is, is it's a defect in the, in the proteins of the skin. Okay. Yeah. So your skin's main job above everything else is to kind of keep the outside world outside. Okay. And eczema is basically a, a disease where you have difficulty doing that. So your skin has difficulty with lots of moisture. Okay, and, and as a result of that, it does the opposite of what you think. It gets very dry. So you'll see, like, for example, in, in a, a toddler's elbows, very dry, crusted over skin, and they just can't stop scratching it. There yeah. is incessant and it just, like, constant irritation, and the skin's very red and angry-looking usually. 
So another, I just got an onslaught of questions for you specifically regarding eczema. Yeah, eczema is pretty widespread, right? So, so is Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yes, yes. <laughs> is it spread Facebook on Facebook? Facebook plus eczema. <laughs> okay. Well, they want to know what are some home remedies or some things that you can do quickly to kind of alleviate the discomfort. The nice thing about all these skin topics is there's tons of home remedies and they actually work, which is good. Um, so so first eczema in specific, the main thing is it's a problem with moisture. Okay, so it's it's very simple steps. For example, making sure your house is not, you know, very hot and, and swampy. Okay. The other thing is if, if you're bathing your kid every day, because you feel like they're a smelly kid with with kids who have eczema, you might just want to be a, let them be a little smelly. So you it's might. too much. The problem is the problem with moisture isn't not enough moisture. It's too much moisture. It's the fact that when water touches their skin, okay, right. The second that it's not touching their skin, so when they get out of the bath, for example, they get exposed to that air and it dries really quickly, and they have trouble. And exposing them to water on their skin right. just makes it irritate mm-hmm. more, right? Yeah, because the, the protein in the skin is defective, so it's not it's whole it's not holding the water the way it should. Okay? okay, and so that causes it to get dried out very quickly, especially after the exposure. Okay, um, so basically, just bathing less often. The other thing you can do is always moisturize your kid. You know, um, and we're not talking about the teenage moisturizers that smell like pears and wild fruit. Just unscented, <laughs> fragrance-free, preservative-free moisturizers. Um, general over-the-counter stuff that you could buy homeopathic um, generally works. So all these things are very simple home remedies that you could do before you even step in a pediatrician's door. Perfect. Thanks. It's going to take me a while to write that out. I know our our two-year-old has it really bad. And our four-year-old, I think, had it mildly. Have you guys, do, do your kids have it? Yeah, my toddler has it. And uh, you know what I found? Uh, I just go to, you know, Walgreens or Rite Aid or whatever and pick up Vanna cream, um, just over-the-counter, real thick cream. Uh, and that seems to do the trick for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually have it myself. Okay. So my son does not, but I have had it. And usually I just kind of let it be um, because I can kind of deal with it and know not to scratch it. Um, I've used um, calendula cream on it sometimes, and that um, has worked pretty well for me too. Yeah, I mean, in general, with anything, you want to use something that's, again, fragrance-free. You don't want any perfumes to it, and you also don't want any preservatives to it. Um, the Vanna cream is pretty good, like you said, and then also there's Aquaphor, which I, I kind of use for everything. Yeah, um, I've heard a lot of yeah. people use that as well. So there's there's tons of stuff out there for eczema. But it's interesting. I feel like we've been told that you know, and you even said that it's kind of different between kids and adults, but that there's, is it true that, you know, kids will mostly, most likely just grow out of it? Have you heard that before? Right. That's, what we, that's what we were told by our doctor. There's kind of debate over this issue, actually. Um, we, we, generally, the numbers say that about 30% of people will continue to have problems with it. So whether eczema actually goes away or whether you just stop irritating your skin the way you used to when you were a kid because you really had no control over it is kind of debatable. But yeah, quote unquote, grow out of it is true. It's just we don't know if they actually grow out of it, like if they still have a problem with their skin or they're just avoiding the factors that used to cause it. Right, that they've learned to manage it. Yeah. Did you have it? Yeah, and well, for myself, I know as a child, I definitely had it more frequently compared to how many times it shows up for me now as an adult. Um, and I do agree that, you know, my habits obviously are very different now as an adult before when I was a child. Um, and I've noticed it come up a lot less frequently too. So it's still there a little bit, but not not as often as when I was younger. 
That's, I would hope your habits are different. Is it? That's, that's <laughs> yes. <a> child, right? <laughs> yeah, it's um definitely if you're interested in this topic, d- check our archives because we've got a whole episode where we talked about it as well. But let's take a quick break. When we come back, um, we're going to talk about seborrhea, contact dermatitis, diaper rash, and probably a few more. I know we have even more questions from Facebook as well. Welcome back, everybody, to Parent Savers. Today, we're talking about baby skin conditions and the most common skin irritations with Dr. Ahmad Bayluni. See, now I mispronounced the wrong part of it. I didn't get baloney. I said, <laughs> um, all right, let's jump right back into the next one, which is seborrhea. So what is seborrhea? I think my dog had seborrhea, so I'm not sure what it is on kids. Is it the same thing? Seborrhea is what we more commonly call cradle cap. Oh. And, yeah. And it's very, very common. By okay. the some of the statistics actually show that around three months of age, about seventy percent of babies have cradle cap. So, what cradle cap is, in case there's someone out there that's listening to this that hasn't seen it, yeah. is it's a yellowish-looking, greasy kind of scale that grows over the skin. It's very scaly, very greasy-looking. Um, you could. Google it at the moment and you'll see a bunch right. of pictures. It's, it's pretty freaky oh. looking. Yeah. And it's not just always on the scalp. That's the other thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So sometimes you'll see seborrhea, which we don't call it cradle cap when it's on the face. Okay. But you could. Yeah. Um, it, it's the same kind of thing. It's a greasy looking thing. Like you'll see it around the eyebrows, around the nose, okay. around the ears. Oh, my infant daughter has that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that was cradle cap. See, I learned something today. <laughs> All right. So the good news is that's it's very benign. The one oh. on the face, you really do don't need to do much about it. It's very, very rare that we need to treat it. it it's just going to take some time, make her skin look a little weird, and then disappear, go on. What does it look like? What's it, uh, She's a weird-looking baby. So. <laughs> <laughs> not, I didn't say that, and I wouldn't say that. Right. <laughs> I, I've, I've never said that to a patient. Your baby is breathtaking. That's what you can say. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> not always in a good way, right? <laughs> is it just she has irritations, right? In like Exactly, right, like on the bridge of her nose and kind of down the side and on her eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I, I'm also a, a scratcher along with a popper, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. <laughs> but scratching it, should you just leave it be? The one on the fa- the one. So if it's on the face like that, yeah. you can just pretty much let it be. Just okay. make sure your soaps are unscented. Same kind of deal. The one on the on the in cr- actual cradle capsule yeah. on your scalp. Um, that one you can actually treat and help go away a little bit faster. If you didn't, it would still go away. It would just take more time. But usually what we recommend is either a gentle shampoo, something, again, fragrance-free. Like, for example, a lot of people use Johnson. Right. But if you kind of notice, it does have a little perfume. I'm not uh, trying to not promote Johnson. Right. <laughs> um, the, the other thing you can do to make the cradle cap go away is before you shampoo your kid's hair, um, you can actually take um, a little bit of oil, either mineral oil, you could use baby oil, or you could use olive oil. Yeah, I've okay. heard olive oil. I've yeah. heard about that Just before. don't stick your kid's head in the oven afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you basically don't. put a few drops in the hair, take a, a little comb, comb the hair, and that'll kind of right. loosen up those scales, and then shampoo uh, at, right after you've done and that. And they just kind of disappear? Mm-hmm. But then they kind of do they kind of come back? It can come back. It can come back really for the first year, I would say, is the most common. It's it's not as common where we see it after the first year. Between one and two, probably about 5% of kids. What exactly causes the cradle cap? We're not sure. So oh. there, uh, there is some research studies that show it's linked to a yeast, but not. it's not 
100% proven, so we're not exactly sure, which is a great answer for me because it's always <laughs> <been a good laughs> I don't know. As long as we know how to fix it. Yeah. And the main, the main thing is it's benign. It's not an infection, mm-hmm. and there's not much you really have to do if you want to go weight faster. You could just follow the simple tips. Yeah, I think I've seen they have some brushes, um, like specifically designed by some parents. I think we saw some at the ABC Kids Expo, you know, to brush away the cradle cap. These gentle brushes and olive mm-hmm. oil. I think that they were displaying them with all the olive oil yeah. selection on the <laughs> table. Um, yeah, parents are always like, I tell them olive oil, and like, are you sure? All right, contact dermatitis. What is that? So contact dermatitis is exactly what it sounds like. We have these fancy medical words. Derm is basically the word for your skin. Mm -hmm. Itis is inflammation. So it's inflammation of the skin. And the reason why is contact. Um, So some sort of exposure to something. In adults, it's usually like metals, watches, things like that. I would hope your baby's not wearing some fancy watch. Um, So in babies, it's more common well, the reason why contact dermatitis happens is I'm sure you guys have seen those babies with redness right here on like the outside of the lip, right by where the cheek meets. Yeah. That's usually from drool. So a re- common reason of contact dermatitis is babies just drool. They don't control it and it irritates their skin. They get red or in the diaper. It's the same thing. A lot of diaper rashes yeah. are actually just contact dermatitis because the pee is in the diaper. It irritates the skin. The skin gets red. Yeah. My son had that around his mouth when he was an infant. Really? Yeah. I didn't know the exact word for it, but I did know it was from the drool. They're very common and one, th- you know, it's, it's, kind of same concept simple thing you can do to kind of prevent it is just put a little barrier there on the outside of the lips um something like a a petroleum jelly or an aquaphor that'll you know is thick and viscous and when the kid drools the drool won't really affect the kid's skin and you won't get that redness yeah that's why i was told again with the aquaphor kind Mm -hmm. of does works for a lot of different skin irritations i think i mean every now and then you'll get a kid with really bad contact dermatitis where they've just been drooling forever and no one's done anything about it and they come in with really thick angry skin that one we might use like a topical steroid very mild for like a few days but it's not bumpy it's just red it's yeah it's irritated yeah it's like those cute little baby pictures where the kid's got redness on both cheeks and it's because they've been drooling (laughs) so yeah it's actually maybe cosmetically desirable (laughs) there you go It's always so Santa has contact dermatitis. <laughs> That's right. Oh, there you go. Ah, from the reindeer drool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reindeer drool. <laughs> uh, all right. So then you actually mentioned this a little bit, but let's talk a little bit about diaper rash too. Because I know that's something that, you know, probably, you know, maybe even Everybody more so than excess. Oh, yeah, Everybody yeah. deals yeah. with diaper rash. So diaper rash is a huge topic and you could probably actually have a whole show on it. Yeah. Um, and I probably deal with it multiple multiple times a day not like personally but with my patients <laughs> i'm out of the diaper phase um but basically there's two kinds of diaper rash there's the kind we just talked about where it's irritation from either the poop or the pee and one of the things i like about my job is that i can say poop and get away with it um and then the second kind of diaper rash is not related to the diaper at all it's like a yeast infection that kids okay. can get um the reason why yeast infections happen is really just because it's a there's a diaper. It's a warm, humid place. Any place that's warm and humid and sweaty, you're likely to, to start having things grow. There's really just yeast floating around everywhere looking for those places? There pretty much is. That's crazy. So I do have a question from Facebook regarding diaper rash, and it's from Janine Cook. And she needs to know what she can quickly put on her baby's diaper rash. She let her suck on some pineapple, not knowing how it would affect her bum. 
She has A and D in coconut oil. Desitin wasn't cutting it. What can she use to soothe it? Because the baby's in a lot of pain. What, what does pineapple? What does pineapple do to the bum? The doctor. Well, yeah, <laughs> and then let's can we treat it? It's not because of the pineapple. So it's not, sometimes people come in and think this is some sort of allergy to the food that they ate. Basically, we we usually see diaper rash. The most common age is around nine months, and the reason why is because kids have started eating more foods, and the food just changes the consistency of the poop. So there's stuff in there that wasn't in there Does previously. It make it more acidic or something. It or? can. Okay. Yeah. And it's just changing. Anytime you change the consistency of what the skin was used to, then there's a chance that it gets irritated from that. It's not used to you know, so it's not like you should stop feeding your kids pineapple. Um, but basically, what you should do is a you want to look at the rash. If it's a simple just redness, okay, then that's usually just irritation. If it's just flat skin and it's just red, then that's usually from irritation from you know, the consistency of the stool changing. And what you need to do for that is something like an A and D. What A and D is, is petroleum. Okay. The other thing that's helpful is any zinc based, um, creams. Basically those are like desitin. There's a ton of brands out there, but the most important thing is look at the active ingredient. It'll say either zinc or petroleum. Both of those, really what they do is they just form a barrier. Okay. The way that you're going to get rid of a diaper rash is to just have things not touch it for a while. So you want to keep a barrier on the skin. You probably also want to give the baby what we call some diaper breaks. So every now and then be out of the diaper. You obviously want to make sure that you choose these at wise times. (laughs) Um, Block your kid in the kitchen where there's a linoleum or tile floor. Yeah, (laughs) easier cleanup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Usually for diaper rash, there's an actual A, B, C, D thing that you can do. One, so the A part is air. That's giving your kid a little diaper bake. The B part is barrier. That's what we just talked about with using a zinc or petroleum based ointment on there um the c part is to make sure it's clean so obviously whenever your kid goes to the bathroom you want to make sure to try and change the diaper as quickly as you can and the d part is that in general there is one time where disposable diapers are actually better than cloth diapers and that's when your kid has a diaper rash because disposable diapers are breathe a little bit better actually and so um obviously it goes along with the air concept so a b c d and kind of make it simple so I have a question as far as the barrier is concerned. Could you do? Could you use something like uh, natural honey? Would that be okay? Because I know it's antiseptic and it's also it'll keep it moist. I, I wouldn't. It's one of the things that I, I don't think is researched well enough to actually know. Um, you know, there are honey is generally not recommended to eat in babies because it can cause botulism. So I. I I would kind of hesitate using it just in case of like an accidental exposure to it. Yeah. Um, One thing you can do is uh, what I usually recommend in my patients is if you use something like a zinc-based cream or petroleum-based cream, you can always put something on top of that. So, for example, if you use a desitin, which is made of zinc, Mm -hmm. you put that on and then put either the petroleum or like an aquaphor on top of it. That'll kind of seal it in there and then also create another barrier. But so these creams, though, they're not treating the rash, they're basically giving the rash time to, to heal. heal. Right. And there's these, these thick substances that right. are creating a barrier. Because basically the, the first type of diaper rash, like we talked about, is just irritation. So the way yeah. that you're going to stop that is by not irritating it anymore. Yeah. The other type is, yeah, if you see the diaper rash and it has like small little pimples to the outside of the redness, so you see like red dots, that's actually a sign of a yeast infection. And that's something you want to see your pediatrician Got about. It. And add another medicated cream to what's going on. 
one of, one of our kids had diaper. They got diarrhea real bad, and I I remember thinking that like the diaper rash was almost like this burn to their skin, and it would like blister. Mm-hmm. And then I'm worried about like, oh my gosh, she's gonna have this scar in there from this crazy burn. I mean, is that kind of what's happening? Is that the skin's burning in some sense, or is that not really correct? It's not necessarily burning. It's just getting really irritated. You okay. know, anytime you you irritate something enough your skin's going to start to react your skin is an organ just like we talked about and it does have you know chemical reactions and things going on that are going to respond to the irritant and so when your skin gets red and angry like that it's just not liking what's going on okay so the really the the way to, to stop that is to stop whatever it is that's making it angry and it seems like a great takeaway too is just you know the fact that these are going to happen and they happen all the time in kids in fact it's almost strange if a kid doesn't get Right. And I mean, I think at the end of the day, the main point is it is scary. You know, if you have a a new baby at home, it's you've been preparing for nine months before this for this baby's arrival. And then one day you wake up and and the kid has this scary looking rash. and, and, And it's it's a natural thing to be scared of. I think at the end of the day, you know, the message is. If you're not sure about it, just see your pediatrician. Don't Google and use right. the internet and put honey and a million things. <laughs> Don't put just, the honey down. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think just get, At least I'm not putting butter on everything, okay? <laughs> Paula Dean. <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere. All right. Well, thanks so much, Dr. Bailini, for joining us today. And for more information for you listeners about baby skin conditions or for more information about Dr. Bailuni or any of our panelists, visit the episode page on our website, parentsavers.com. We're actually going to continue the conversation for members of our Parent Savers Club. After the show, Dr. Bailuni is going to tell us more about over-the-counter and some homeopathic treatments for some of these various skin conditions. For more information about the Parent Savers Club, visit our website, parentsavers.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Before we wrap up, here's a parenting oops from one of our listeners. Hello, this is Grace from Traverse City, Michigan, United States. And um, one of my favorite funny parenting stories is I was cutting my boy's hair for summer and I had my clippers and I'm not a hairstylist, um, but I can do a buzz cut. And I did my first son and it went fine and I set my second son down to do his haircut. Well, I forgot to put the clipper back on after trimming around my other son's ears and neck. And I started right in the center at the top of his head. And let's just say he was not very happy with me. It was completely shaved down to his scalp. I pretty much, to save it, I just had to shave his whole head. And um, he was not very happy with me. He had to wear hats for a while until it grew out a little bit. But now he doesn't like me to cut his hair. And I understand why. Um, It was funny looking back at the time. He was pretty mad at me. He was about, um, I think, eight or nine years old. So... That was my funny parenting story. Right. Bye. If you have a parenting oops you'd like to share on our show, call our voicemail at 619-866-4775 and leave us a message or send us an email through our site, parentsavers.com. 
That wraps up today's show. We appreciate you so much for listening to Parent Savers. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, The Boob Group for Moms Who Breastfeed Their Babies, and Twin Talks for Moms of Twins, such as our very own Sonny Galt, who just joined the Twins Club at the end of... It was in November. Um, So, Happy New Year, everybody. Next week, we're going to talk about balancing schedules with multiple children. I'm not sure we're going to solve that problem, but we're just going to talk about coping strategies, most likely. This is Parent Savers, empowering new parents. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.